and open your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 3. We're going to be looking at the next, uh, the last one of the our text, subject to the for the Lord's sake. We've already looked in the chapter 2, two things we're to be subject to, two realms of authority, two institutions that we have. Uh, the first institution, we were told, is the government. This is a large institution. And so what we're going to see is as we get down to where we're at now, the level of authority gets smaller as the, as the, or gets bigger as the institution grows smaller. So the government has its, has its authority, and we're to submit to them under their authority, but their realm of authority is sm smallest of the three. The second one was work, slaves to masters. They had a little bit, it was a smaller institution, but it was a greater realm of authority. They had more say in what you did. The final one is in the home. It's 1 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to see that in the home, there is an order that is given. Uh, I, I want you to make sure you're looking at the scriptures today, because this, this sermon is one that most preachers will never touch with a 10-foot pole unless they're going through books of the Bible. Because there's at least three hot-button um, charged issues within it. So please open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3. In this, we're going to see three things. First, we're going to see a missional submission, where we're told that women, wives are to submit to their husbands. For the Lord's sake, if we look back at verse 2 in the context. Second, we're going to see is a missional spirit. They're to submit out so that their husbands might be one to the Lord. We're going to see that the value is placed upon the spirit, not the body. And the third thing we're going to see is a missional servanthood. A missional servanthood. This is where it changes from a, a believing wife to an unbelieving husband. This is where it changes from a believing husband to an unbelieving wife. It's a missional servanthood. And what we're going to see is that headship is about servanthood, not rule. Now, in this, this is specifically talking, I've already alluded to it, but specifically talking uh, to a situation where one of the spouses is saved and the other is not. It's one of the only places in Scripture that we have this context to it. And the amazing thing we're going to see about it is it says that you should, you should still act the same, whether your husband or your wife are, are saved or not. I've entitled this sermon, Subject for the Lord's Sake, Part 3 in the Home. Stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word. 1 Peter chapter 3, the first seven verses. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the Word, they may be one without a word, by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how holy women of old, uh, holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him Lord and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening likewise husbands live with your wives in an understanding way showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel 
since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's go to Lord in prayer. Father, sometimes your word is harder to understand than others. Sometimes your word cuts against the culture more than others. Sometimes it, it, it comes as more of a shock. Father, I pray that through the power of your spirit as we open this, uh, this, this word, as we look and try to expound what it means, that your grace would fall upon us. That you would allow us to receive your will, to receive your word as it is, the word of God. Father, we love you. It's in your precious son's name I pray. Amen. Be seated. Now, like I said, this is a sermon that I wouldn't choose to go to in any state of uh, my ministry if I wasn't going directly through the Bible. And that's one of the benefits, just a side note, to going straight through books of the Bible. This is actually the second time in my ministry that we've gone, I've gone through 1 Peter. The first time was at my first church. I was 24, maybe, and I was preaching with three other guys through 1 Peter. And my turn came up with this, uh, this text. And I looked at the guys and I said, listen, I'm the only single, the youngest of you. I'm not touching this text with a ten foot pole. I almost got out of it this time. When the other the, the a couple weeks ago, when uh, we were sick with COVID, they I had already prepared the sermon beforehand, and so I went ahead and asked them, Would you do you want to continue in First Peter? Knowing that this is gonna be there. He said, No, that's yours, brother. I said, Well, fine. Uh, so this is this is something that is, is hotly debated. This is something that is misunderstood often. Um, but it's also something that we have to understand that the Bible speaks in, and ha has authority over us, not the culture. This goes directly against a cultural view. If I was to read this on any news station, they would probably tar and feather me. But... We're not there. We're here. So we're going to open his word and try and understand it. So first thing we're going to see is a missional submission. Verse 3. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. Now, that, that right there is one of the hot button issues. We may not like that, but if you don't, turn a little bit to the left. Titus 2, verse 4 to 5 says, And so train younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands. That the word of God may not be reviled. May not like that either. Go to the left. Colossians 3.18. Wives, submit yourselves to your husband as is fitting in the Lord. Don't like that one? Keep going to the left. Ephesians chapter 5, 22, verse, uh, 20, verse 22 to 24. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husband as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Now as, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit to your husband in everything. Now, that, these are hard texts to deal with. I didn't want to touch it, but if I'm going to be in, I'm going to read them all. Right? Now I, I want to say that, that God knew what he was doing when he wrote this. And so in the original language, this says, likewise wives be subject to your own idios andra. Right? You know what that literally the transliteration says saying? Be subject to your own idiot man. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. So God knew what he was doing when he wrote this. He knew that we were idiots. 
I thought it was funnier than y'all, but apparently. <laughs> Does a wife being, we have to answer some questions. Does a wife being told that she is to be submissive to her husband make her inferior? That's the first thing we need to answer. And the answer, absolutely not. Submission here does not speak to the worth of a person. The only place that in our text that it speaks to the worth is actually at the end of the text in verse 7. In verse 7 it says that men, women are co-heirs with men together. That's the only place in all of the text that speaks to value or worth. This actually is a military word. Lodi Bauckham gives us the definition. It's a military term that means a voluntary, voluntary rank. To voluntarily rank oneself below another. It is an, about order, not value. See that in your outline. This is about order, not value. If, if you have a sergeant in the military who's been in the military for 10 years, knows the ins and outs, knows exactly what to do, and you have a snot-nosed kid right out, of high, right out of college who's been given a rank of lieutenant, who is more valuable in that situation? Sergeant is. He knows more. And yet, in that same situation, if the lieutenant tells the sergeant it's time to go to battle, what does the sergeant do? He goes. This is about order, not value. I want to make that as explicitly clear as I can. The, the, another reason why this is about order, not value, is if you look to uh, the, what we just read in Ephesians. There, there's an order that's given. Wives submit to your own husband as the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, and even as Christ is the head of the church. It's not the verse I was looking for. Uh, there it is. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3. But I want you to understand that the, the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband. And here it is. The head of Christ is God. So if this is about value instead of order, that what that just said is that Christ is below God. And beloved, that is heresy. Christ, though as he is submissive to God, is completely co-equal. That's the beauty of the Trinity. In the Trinity, the Spirit is always sent to and subordinate to both Jesus and the Father. Does that make him less than? Absolutely not. The Son is sent by and subordinate to the Father. He prays that his will be done, not his own. He's subordinate to Jesus, subordinate to the Father, and yet they're completely co-equal. This is the same thing that we're talking about. We are talking about order, not value. John MacArthur said this, women are not inferior to men in any way, any more than submissive Christians are inferior to pagan rulers or non-Christian bosses. Literally, the direct context. But wives have been given a role which puts them in submission to the headship which resides in their own husbands. Then the question is, then why are wives called to submit to their husbands? I have three answers. I really have four. And we'll get into the fourth one in with a little bit more detail. First, it's to bring glory to God. It brings God glory when, when things work in the way in which he has created. And we'll talk about that more in the fourth one. Second, it's for sanctification. It is a good thing, uh, Vody Bakum says, that in, anywhere you have two heads, you have a monster. So there's one head, and R.C. Sproul says that whereas the man is, the husband is the head of the wife, the woman is the neck that turns the head. <laughs> and we have to remember that. Uh, so the second is for, is for 
Lost my spot. It's for sanctification. It helps us grow together and show God's glory more than either of us could apart. And the third is for evangelism. Evangelism is in direct context here. It says, in, continuing in verse 1, so that even if some do not obey the word, that's his reference to some who don't know Christ. It's even if some. So it leaves the door open for some that are backslidden and disobedient Christians. But primary, the primary uh, thought in Peter's mind here is, is a, a woman who has been saved after she's been married and her husband has not been. He says, so even, so even if some do not obey, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. So he, here he's not saying that you don't, don't preach the word. He's not saying that. But he's assuming that the word's already been preached. The word has been preached, and now it needs to be followed up by an example. It needs to be followed up by the life that the, the, the wife that is in Christ lives. I said there was a fourth one. We're, we'll finish the verse in just a moment. But I said there was a fourth one. I don't even have my notes. The fourth one is the, the order issue. So Harvey read from Genesis chapter 3 earlier. Every time this is brought up in Scripture, it's always grounded in creation, not that which is before the fall. And I think there's a reason for that. I think it's because it extends throughout uh, time. It is not something that is a result of the fall, but something that is given to us uh, prior to it. And so in the creation of the world, he created man. Man was to be... To be have dominion. Then it, out of man's rib he created a woman. And he, man was the head of the woman. Then man and woman together would be uh, to be dominion over everything else. They're all the creatures. And the head of both of them was God. So you have God, man, woman, creatures. What happened in the fall? In the fall, the creature, Satan, the serpent, comes and places himself above Eve, the woman. So he does that by, by, by challenging her and by, by, uh, by testing her. Well, and then she submits to him. So you have the, the, the creature above the woman. And then the woman takes the apple when she sees it's good and takes her husband and says, hey, look at this, eat this. So now the woman has now placed herself above the man. And then what happens when God comes to Adam? He says, well, it's the, it's the woman you gave me. He passes the buck. And so literally, the, the order that was given in creation, God, man, uh, husband, wife, creatures, was flipped to creatures, wife, husband, God. It's about order, not value. And we have to see that as we, as we open this can of worms that I've accepted. Uh, let, let's, let me finish this verse. It says, uh, they may be, be one without a word by the conduct of the wise, when they see what? Your respectful and pure conduct. When they see your respectful and pure conduct. Remember, going back into uh, chapter 2, who is this pattern after? Pattern after Christ. For verse 21 of chapter 2. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. This is grounded just like the other two institutions are grounded in the person and work of Christ. Why should, you, why should women submit? Well, because that's the way God made it. Not women, wives. Let me mix that 
I meant it's my word. Why should wives submit to their husbands? Because that's the way that God has given us and shown it in his word. All right, let's keep moving before I step too, too much deeper into it. Uh, <laughs> second point, a missional spirit, verses 3 through 6. Do not let your adorning, here's the second uh, hot button issue. Do not let your adorning be external. The braiding of hair, or the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothes, clothing you wear. So what we, the question we have to ask is, what is he talking about? And what is he not talking about? He's not saying that it's not okay to get dressed up and dress nicely. That, that, that's what it would mean if you ripped this kicking and screaming out of context. What is he saying? He's, he's trying to point to... He's trying to have you focus on what is most valuable in subjection to what is least valuable. One day, everyone gets old wrinkling gray hair. In fact, some of us get that before, before others, and that's okay. One day we lose some of this. What is never lost? It's a, gentle, it's a spirit. The Bible says right here, verse 4, a gentle and quiet spirit. A spirit that is submissive to the Lord. A spirit that is, is profoundly engulfed in the person and work of Jesus Christ. It's not saying, it's not telling you you should look as ugly as you can. It's not saying that. It's saying that you need to place in an order of value what matters more. It's more important that you grow in your relationship with Christ than it is that you look as good as you can. Right? That's, that's what all it's saying. Now let me keep going. But let your adorning, so here's what you should do. Let your adorning be in the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is in God's sight, is very precious. Let me go back. He's already mentioned this imperishable beauty in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-5. through 5. It says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to, to the great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is what? Imperishable and undefiled. He's telling you here in this same way, the imperishable thing is better than the perishable thing. We've, we've learned this a lot throughout Luke. We've learned this a lot throughout the scripture. But now we're applying it directly to a way that's, that gets a little hard. We must focus our mind and our life on that which is imperishable. Namely, that which is given to, to us by God. Now, what is a gentle and quiet spirit? I, I want to make the, the uh, assertion that Jesus was an unbelievably strong man, and yet he also had the most gentle and quiet spirit of any human being ever lived. Now, how, why do I say that? He was submissive to the Father in everything he did. But... He was willing to speak up when he needed to. He was willing to flip tables when he needed to. Not only is this a, a good for winning your husbands to the faith if, if you're in a situation where your husband is not, uh, is, is not a believer, but I want you to don't just skip over that last part of the sentence, which is precious and which is in God's sight is very precious. Very precious. This gentle and quiet spirit, which is, the, which is a spirit that is focused on the person and work of Jesus Christ, above everything else, willing to submit to where he says, above everything else, 
It's very precious in the sight of God. Now we get to the, the, the third hot button issue. For this is how holy women who hoped in God refused to adore themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. So does the scripture say here that we have to call, what you, women have to call their husbands lords? Absolutely not. <laughs> Let me say that right now. No, no, no. That's, that, we have to find the context here. The context of, Gen- of this is Genesis 18, 12. It's the only time in all scripture that, that Sarah called Abraham Lord. And what's happening here? Let me read, read the context for you. It says, they, they said to him, where is Sarah your wife? This is God coming to Abraham. And he said, she's in the tent. The Lord, the Lord said, I will surely return to you about the same time next year. And Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening in the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah, now which she had had menopause. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I'm worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? So what's the context of this? It's not, he's, she's not saying it in a matter that's submissing, bowing down, and being a doormat. That's not at all what they're, he is saying here. The, the, Tom Schreiner puts it the best. He says, What Peter found remarkable in this instant was that she still referred to him with respect and dignity instead of merely calling him an old man. We see from this that even in casual situations, Sarah respected Abraham's leadership, revealing thereby that her honor of him was part of the warp and wood of her life. I want you to see that this idea is not a command. But it's, it's showing the respect that a, a wife is to show her husband, especially, especially in a situation where the husband's not believing. Why? We were already told that. So that they might be one without a word. It's evangelistic in nature. It's missional in nature. It's a missional spirit. And this missional spirit can win. Well, how does this apply to the rest of us? Some of us aren't in this situation. How does it apply to the rest of us? It means that after we tell someone about Jesus, we better not be going out and being being a hypocrite. We better not be going out and saying, well, you need to believe in Jesus and then going out and robbing a store or something. We better not be saying, you need to believe in Jesus and then going out and lying to them. That defiles the, the, the picture of who God is to them. Why? Because to them, you are the closest thing to God that they may know. Let me say that again. You may be the closest thing to God that the person you're witnessing to may know. So make sure that when you are in, when you are telling someone about Jesus, it is not mere words, but it is backed up by a lifestyle that is submissive to Jesus. And the text continues and says, that, "And you are her children if you do not if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening." Inherent times of rejection of submission is in, is embedded here. Why? Because there are times when Every, every institution has a realm. I've talked about this in the other two sermons. Every single institution has a realm of authority. The government has a realm of authority. When they go outside their realm of authority, we bump back, right? It, now, that realm is defi- defined by this, not by what you like or don't like. Let me make that clear. Uh, your work has a realm of authority. 
If they tell you to do something that is outside their own authority, you buck back. Wives, there's a realm of authority here. It's not complete. That's only to the Lord. It's not complete. It is, it is for a certain thing. So if, if there is abuse happening, I want to make this as clear as I can. If there is abuse happening, don't just sit there and take it and say, I have to be submissive like, like Sarah was. I have to be submissive and call him Lord. Don't say that. Call the police. Call me. You probably don't want to call me because I'll go over there. But call the police. Do, do something about it. R.C. Sproul says that God is not calling wives to be a doormat any more than he is calling a man to be tyrannical over his wife. Remember what I said about the definition of submission. It is a voluntary thing. So men, we're about to talk to you. To you. Men, if, you, if your wife is not being uh, submissive to you, there's nothing you can do to make, it, make them submissive according to Scripture. It's not the man's job to say, woman, get in here and do this. That's not the submiss submissiveness that we're talking about here. It is a voluntary submissiveness to show God's grace in this. All right, let's move on to the last point where we finally talk about men. And even in this one, there's going to be yet another hot button issue. All right, so a, a missional servanthood is the last thing. Verse 7, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Live your wives in an understanding way. Why does it say in an understanding way? Well, the context. You're, you're most likely in this dealing with a wife who doesn't know Jesus. And it's going to tell us in a moment the hot button issue that says in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. What's he talking about there? I think there's a couple things he's talking about. That's debated. But what, the main thing I think it's talking about is the weaker vessel in, in strength. That's all, that's all it's talking about. In, in the swimming world, you probably may have turned on the news and seen something about Leah Thomas. This is a man who says he is a woman who was ranked 420-something in collegiate athlete for men, transitioned to being a woman in the sport, and is, was one number one by eight seconds. There is a difference between men and women. I know that's, that may be get us kicked off of Facebook. I don't really care. There is a difference between men and women. God has created it that way. It's not just the plumbing, right? God has created us different with different roles and different ways so that together we can show God's grace and his glory better than we can apart. And one of the ways is men are typically stronger. If you look to Ukraine. I, I noticed this as I was watching the um, as I was watching the news. Uh, Vladimir Zelensky, I believe his name is, issued an order that all the men of military age, so six, uh, eighteen all the way up to, to sixty, could not leave the country because they wanted to fight. Now, normally, if something like that was said outside of war times, I guess. If you turned on the news and they said that, they, there would be shouting saying, well, what in the world? Why only the men? Because men were created differently. Men were created to be, to be as Vodibachim says, priest, prophet, protector, and provider in a, in a relationship. That's, what, that's part of our role. And so what they're doing is what has been known to all of human history until the last 50 years. Is that, that they are, what happened in Titanic? In the Titanic, who got on the lifeboats? Women and children. Why? 
because men were being chivalrous and laying down their lives for their wives and for women because that was normal back then. It's been completely turned around. Let's look to the, the full call of man before we get too deep into this one. Back to Ephesians, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. Now, you may say that's not fair, but the women or wives are told to submit to the husbands. Husbands are told to love your wives. That seems easier. Well, let's get into the context again. As Christ loved the church, he gave himself for her. How did Christ love the church? He died for us. He laid his life down. He was, he was submissive to the Father so that he would die and he would win us. That he might say, continue, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the word, washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives. So, so we are to live and love our wives, saved or not saved, doesn't matter, in the same way Christ loved his wife, the church. Well, how did he do that? He died for it. He took the curse upon, he took the curse that we deserve so that we could have life. Men, we are called to be the head, but it is a headship that is seeking the best for our wives, not seeking the Lord over them. John MacArthur says this, Though a believing husband is not called to submit to his unbelieving wife's leadership, he is called to submit to the loving duty of being sensitive to, to the needs, fears, and feelings of his wife. In other words, a Christian husband subordinates, submits his needs to that of his wife. What? So, why? What, let me ask you this. I want you to think about, ladies, how hard would it be for you to submit to your husband if your husband was Jesus? It'd be pretty easy, I hope. If it's pretty easy, men, if there's a problem with submission, it means you need to be more like Jesus. Ladies, if you say, no, I still will submit, you're in sin. You need to repent because there's a submission here. There's an inheritance. Women are called to submit as to evidence of Jesus, going back to chapter 2. But there's a deep, there's a very deep issue if these things don't happen. It says at the end of our text, so that your prayers may not be hindered. So if we are going to buck back against this, and I gave you all a lot of the scriptures, not even all of them, but a lot of the scriptures throughout. We're bucking back against Jesus. Why, why are the, hair, the, the prayers hindered? And I believe this is talking about to both cases, the wives and the husband. Why is it that the prayers are hindered? It's because of a broken relationship. When we refuse to live within the roles that God has ordained from, from us, that we are rebelling first and foremost against God. I want you to see that. And then we have, right before that, we're given the value statement. I told you at the very beginning, submission is not about a value, it's about order. Why? Since they, talking to husbands about wives, are heirs with you of the grace of life. Now, this may seem just um, weird to put in this order. And yet, it may even seem like Peter is talking bad about women here. And yet, if, if you understand the historical context, 
Peter is actually raising women up in this context. Why? Because women had no authority at all. They had no, they had very little value in that culture, and they had no, uh, they had no rights to anything that was owned by the family. It would pass to the next man in line. And yet here, Peter is saying no, because they are co-heirs to the grace of life. The Bible lifts up women far more than the culture of that day did. And I would even argue way, way more than the culture of our day does, because the culture of our day, I'm getting too political here, baby, but the culture of our day wants to destroy femininity instead of raising it up. All right, let me get off that and go to this. What do we do with this? Four things. We submit to the word even when it doesn't make sense in our culture. What we've read and what you've heard me say makes no sense outside of the church. Because outside of the church, we're told that men can be women and women can be men just because we think it. Outside of the church, we're told that everything is exactly the same except for the plumbing. We're told that there's no difference in the mind and the, in the heart of men and women. The Bible tells us differently. The Bible tells us differently, and so we submit to the word over culture. Number two, we seek to understand the word even when it's hard. This is hard. I've wrestled with this for a long time because it, when I first came to faith, this made complete, was complete lunacy to me. We have to remember that Christ that, that we have to submit to the word even when it's hard, and we have to seek to understand it. And it if y'all want to argue with me about this, I'm here Monday through Wednesday. I'd love to talk with you about it. Bring scripture, though. Don't just bring your feelings. All right. Number three. Number three. We remember Christ's example of submission. Christ submitted in such a way that he laid down his life for his bride. Men, that's our call. Our call, we have a harder call here. I, I would trade places in a heartbeat with, with the call. I'm not, I'm not saying I want to be a woman. Don't even say that. <laughs> I would trade the call in a heartbeat. Because it's easier to be submissive than to, to lay down my life. Number four. Women, this submission is, is to your husband and your husband alone. Not to every man. Not to your boyfriends. Not to any other man except for your husband's. The only ultimate submission is to Christ. It's not to any man. Don't hear me saying that. Finally, men, your role is, is as head is one of servanthood. You lead with them in mind. If you lead with yourself in mind, you need to repent. And remember, Christ is your example as well. We're going to be transitioning from this, now that you're all mad at me. We're going to be transitioning this to Lord's Supper. It's a great time for repentance and being mad at me. So, uh, let, us, let me pray, and I'm going to ask the men to come forward and prepare the, uh, pass out the, the, the elements. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you have died for us. You've died for us that we could have life. And I pray that you would show us your word exactly as it needs to be. That you would help us submit to your word, not because Jensen says it, but because you said it. Because you've given it. Father, I pray that you would lead our hearts and our minds to be subject to you as the overseer and shepherd of our souls. Father, we love you. In your precious son's name I pray. Amen.